hey, Paul and Alicia, what's the difference between Donald Trump and the Hindenburg? What? One is a flaming Nazi gas bag, and the other is a dirigible. This is Beyond Politics and the Balance of Power Roundtable. I'm Matt Robeson, hosting on behalf of Alicia Preston, our conservative commentator, analyst, and consultant, and former Democratic U.S. Congressman Paul Hodes. And I have to start off this week's show not with blimps and balloons, although we're going to get there in one second, but with an apology. We have had great fun at the expense of our co-panelist, Alicia Preston, over the last year and her seeming obsession with eggs. Every (laughs) time we talk about messaging or the economy or really any topic at all, she has been right on brand, right on message, Mm -hmm. delivering the Republican talking point that society is about to come to an end because prices are so high. And therefore, we need to flush Joe Biden out of the White House and probably all the Democrats with him. And there's no greater sign of this than the skyrocketing price of eggs. Apparently, an egg is more expensive than a Fabergé egg, than a bar of gold. Well, we've made fun of you, Alicia. And Mm. well, 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 who has egg on their face now? The guys do. The Democrats do. You were right. We were wrong. Turns out that the price of eggs is indeed up 60%. I just learned this from the New York Times because I'm a Democrat. I get all my information from the New York Times and no other sources. And you now get to dunk on us. Alicia, go nuts. Well, first, you're welcome for having (laughs) me here to be the informed individual to advise you guys through the ways of grocery storing. I will say it's not 60% because... Two years ago, a dozen eggs was about a buck nineteen, and now a dozen eggs is six ninety nine at the same market. That's a can whole I, lot can more I, can than sixty percent. Can I break in and tell you that the New York Times agrees with you that in some places, especially because there are allegations now of price fixing and collusion, shocking in the egg market. No word on whether the Russians are involved. There are places where that kind of price pattern has been verified by the New York Times. So I believe you, but I, I also heart the New York Times. Yes, go on. That is I true. I like their crossword puzzles. Places. I do their Sunday crossword puzzle. Yeah. Every time I crack an egg, Alicia, I think of you. <laughs> and I be- say, this precious egg, this precious egg, which used to be just an egg, is now an Alicia Preston egg because it is precious and dear and expensive. <laughs> and look, it never was about the facts of whether or not the price of eggs had gone up. We all know that the price of eggs had gone up. The reason is why. And the implication, my friend Alicia, from your ranting about the price of eggs, and I use the word ranting in the most friendly, the, nice, in the, in the, the nicest way. pejorative, the nicest way. All due can, respect. With all due respect. It was never about the price. It was about why were the prices of eggs so high? And the reason is not anything to do with Democrats. It has to do with the fact that there's been this huge surge of avian flu. And that is the primary reason why eggs are so expensive. It's not a Democratic Democratic plot. Joe Biden's killing chickens. And by the way, if Joe Biden (laughs) is killing chickens in order to raise the price of eggs, it's for a good reason to save us all from high cholesterol. So Joe Biden is basically a Wolverine. I rest my case. (laughs) Actually, in the world of the weird, science has changed on the cholesterol egg thing about 10 years ago. And now egg cholesterol is allegedly 
allegedly the good cholesterol. And I know this because oh, my mother used to call me the egg police. I'd monitor her egg intake because she loved eggs. We go to her cardiologist once. He informs her that it's changed. And my mother looks at me and says, see, you can never monitor my egg intake oh, again. And you know, just, just to bring this full it. circle, I, I get a lot of my cultural references from The Simpsons. And about 30 years ago, there was a classic episode Right, where where Homer was basically talking about cholesterol and the evils of cholesterol. And another character says, Well, while eggs do contain cholesterol, it has not been shown that they raise the level of serum cholesterol in the human bloodstream. And he replies, Oh, I see those egg council creeps got to you too. Well, it turns out that was right. That was actually true. That that is science. All right, look, we got to move on. Let's I think Family on. Guy is a better place to get your cultural references personally. Well, fair enough. They're they're random enough for me. So, mm. all right. So, Alicia, let's mm-hmm. we'll talk one up. Win for Alicia. All right, let's go from something totally ridiculous to something even more ridiculous. Let's talk about Chinese balloons. It seems like it seems like the Republicans in the House, Republicans in Congress, were fixing to go all Benghazi on this. And they were going to bring up a resolution today as we record this. Today is Tuesday the 7th as we record this, right before the State of the Union. And they were going to bring it up today to own Joe Biden. Joe Biden, you wimp. Why did you shoot the balloon earlier? Um, Do you sit down to pee? Like all kinds of things that they were going to say in there. And then, well, 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 it turns out that there were three balloons, three balloons, detected during the Trump years, except like Trump now claims, well, I never heard about that, blah, blah, blah. So they've decided, well, maybe we'll go a little bit more bipartisan on this. Um, Is this all grandstanding? Is there anything in this? Or is this just like people desperately looking for a little communications moment? Paul, thoughts? Well, I immediately went to the idea of the best songs with balloon and balloons in the title. And what I found is the uh, there are a number of great songs with balloons in the title. There's 99 Luftballons. There's are you telling me that now there are only 98 red balloons? balloons? There's 99 red balloons. Well, there were 99, but we shot uh, one of them. Approaching Pavonis Mons by Balloon, Black Balloon by the Goo Goo Dolls. Now, I haven't played any of these. Oh, I haven't terrible. heard them. But The Last Balloon, Hot Air Balloon, Lead Balloon, Loose Balloon, Yellow Balloon, And the one that I really like, the title is Looney Balloon. So here we are talking about the Chinese Looney Balloon and the Republicans going full tilt Looney Balloon over Joe Biden. Why didn't Joe Biden order it shot down earlier? Because he's actually a Chinese communist puppet. They've got him by the shorts and they're hanging the string and he's just a marionette for Xi Jinping because he doesn't want to shoot down the balloon because who knows why. Well, in point of fact, dear Republicans, this balloon was like a huge thing and it carried equipment like the size of a bus. And Three if buses. It had been- three buses. And if it had been shot down over the continental U.S., it would have crashed into Alicia's house. And Alicia has enough problems with frozen pipes, let alone having three buses (laughs) crash into her house. So did you see Bo and Yang on Saturday Night Live as the balloon (laughs) saying, can you imagine how it feels to have your size measured in buses? Bowen Yang is talking about body shaming. Bowen Yang is he rocks. But you're saying okay, you're saying this is a whole lot of nothing. I, Alicia, I mean, is there is there well, any? Wait, there? Wait, but we were able to turn the balloon to our nefarious purposes and actually 
get intelligence from the balloon and make sure that the balloon wasn't getting any intelligence from us. And by the way, oh, shenanigans, the shenanigans, because Democrats, the White House, they can't have it both ways. Their messaging in the end of last week was, well, it's no big deal because it's this, it's less information than the Chinese would get from satellites. And then as soon as they shot it down, it's like, ooh, it's a treasure trove oh. of information. No, no, no. That, that, that line I don't buy. Alicia, is this anything? Is this nothing? Well, first of all, since we're advocating for balloon stuff, I'd like to advocate for the children's short film, The Red Balloon. It's an artistic. Terrible. I love Terrible. it. One Terrible. of my daughter's favorites as a child. It follows me. a little boy oh, following a red balloon through the streets of Paris. It it's beautiful. It flies anyway, away. Paul's having another ground mile seizure. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, the memes have been great coming out of this story, but there are some serious things to actually consider here. Did I you mean, see the one of Donald Trump as the big fat baby balloon floating <laughs> you know, over America? The world of the weird. Do you know who shared that and said, and I quote, this is actually kind of funny on Twitter? Don Tell Jr. Me. Yes, that's <laughs> all right. That wins the internet. On the internet, he shared it. Anyway, the memes have been fun, but there are some serious things here. I mean, a Chinese spy balloon probably should not be able to get in our airspace and traverse the entire country. I'm not with Marjorie Taylor Greene that seemingly was telling everybody with a shotgun in Montana to go shoot 60,000 feet in the sky. That seemed kind of dumb. And I'm certainly not going to second guess the military's decision on how they could handle this. We we'll use the Jewish space laser to shoot it. Well, down. there was a lot of people questioning why we didn't use those. Yeah. Like she advocated people shooting it, but the Jewish space lasers would have just hit it perfectly. But anyway, I will say <clears throat> watching it all go down where the military shot it out of the sky, Kenny Loggins started playing in my head. I just had this Top Gun feel. You know, there are jets flying oh, over. Oh, yeah, yeah. And literally, I had a Kenny Loggins soundtrack in my head, which was kind of cool. But I don't think Chinese spy balloons should be flying over us. As for the Donald Trump thing, this is actually weird. And we all know I'm not one to defend Donald Trump nor his administration. But even the current military structure has said that they didn't know about the balloons that flew over under Trump's administration until Biden's administration when they were doing a retrospective. A, I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> and if it is, someone's incompetent. Or are they lying now? Were they not telling people then? John Bolton, also not a sycophant of Donald Trump, says he either it didn't happen or no one told the president because he would have known about it. So something hinky is going on with all this stuff. And I don't know what it is. And I don't know who to believe. But big balloon, go boom. And that's good. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Matt Robeson. I want to tell you about a podcast I know you'll love because I really enjoy it. It's just chock full of smart, engaging, surprising interviews and reports that go way beyond the usual partisan bludgeoning. You know what I'm talking about. The show is called The Gist. It's the longest running news and commentary podcast out there, and it has that kind of staying power because the host, Mike Pesca, just puts forward these really interesting arguments and asks great questions. You'll definitely hear things you don't agree with right next to arguments that make you say, damn straight. Plus, he's pretty funny. Some of the recent segments that I've really enjoyed, he tried to understand the Never Kevin Caucus. Yes, they're nihilistic, but also explained how they're acting in their own rational self-interest. He interviewed Michael Imperioli, you know, from The Sopranos. How about his interview with the guy who ran Stakem's Twitter account and Harvey Weinstein's prison consultant? If any of this sounds interesting to you, listen to The Gist every evening wherever you get your podcasts. I want to just point out that never in history has anything good followed the sentence, I'm not one to defend Donald Trump, but, <laughs> but. until now. 
Until Alicia, you gave literally the best version of that's ever been. I will say that this is a whole lot of nothing. What it really reminds me of is another flaming idiot, Sarah Palin of Alaska, after we killed Osama bin Laden and President Obama refused to release the bullet riddled photo. Uh, because well, the photo itself wasn't bullet riddled because of very smart reasons that you know that would not do us any favors in terms of our national security. Captain Idiot comes in and says, Stop pussyfooting around. That was her exact words. Put out the photo. It's like, what the hell do you know? So I will take advice from Marjorie Taylor Greene on what protects our national security approximately never. The fact that she's for it means that I'm automatically against it. I think the Biden Fair. administration did fine. This is fine. The way they handled it is fine. I'm with you, Alicia, that there's something squooey going on around here. If mm -hmm. like, wait, there were balloons before, but we didn't know about them. But now we do. But why didn't we know about them? It reminds me a little bit of the debt ceiling thing where it's like, well, three times we passed it when Donald Trump was president. But now, no, now the Democrats are somehow screwing this up, except I'm not sure that we are. So anyway, see what I did there. I somehow connected that to something real. And Good transition. Thanks. Thanks. Mm, this, clever. This, segway, this balloon baby. thing is nothing. Segway. All right. Segway. segway. Let's segue. Let's segue. This time really do have something kind of serious, which is the State of the Union addresses tonight. Obviously, it would be absolutely dumb of us to evaluate a State of the Union address that hasn't happened. But what I think we can do is talk about sort of the larger context of the State of the Union. Look, it's political theater. It's pageantry. It's all that stuff. Inside the White House, they spend months and months talking about it because this is the one unalloyed opportunity that the White House gets on a big platform to speak to a lot of Americans, to get a ton of press coverage, to kind of lay down their marker of their message for the year. Things evolve, things change, but it's a big opportunity. Let's just step back for a second here. Paul, you've attended a number of State of the Union addresses as a member of Congress. Could you just play the movie for us? Like, what is this actually like as, a, as an event? Well. Okay, I'll actually be serious about this because it's a it's pretty remarkable early on that everybody's going to be there. The senators are coming to visit and the Supreme Court is coming to visit and the generals with their jangly medals are coming to visit and everybody's coming and they're all dressed wearing their suits and their ties. And it's a big deal because it's not often that everybody in the club gets together. So we're talking about the club that runs the United States. So I won't count them all up, but you know, you got 400 here and 100 there. And so there's like 550 people. The Supreme Court is coming. Everybody and so as House members, this is their big opportunity to be on right. national television. That's Some right. of them get there like literally in the morning and just sit. They occupy a seat all day because these aren't like assigned seats. But you never did. No, it's first come, first really? serve. There's a, yeah, first oh, come, yeah, first yeah, yeah. serve. As first a sitting congressperson, you have to wait in line? It's, no. it's first seat. You know, you, there's space for all. If you want to be by the aisle to be seen shaking the hand of the president or like standing out like Annie Custer did in her white suit a few years ago and like she ended up as an SNL thing, like you, you get there literally now. We're recording this at like 10 in the morning. So yeah. I promise you, there are members of Congress sitting in the House. They're going to sit in the House all day. All day. Just for that moment, for that like sit, 15 to, seconds. Right. To get the front row ticket at a KISS concert we're talking get, about, right? Exactly. Pretty much. What's the aisle seat oh you God. want? Because Joe Biden comes down that center aisle and you want to be seen shaking the president's hand and your social media team is going to do all kinds of stuff. Sorry, Paul. I got in. I that, didn't know that. Sorry. That, you never did yeah, that, yeah. Paul. So so you, I never got there that early. One year, 
representative, my buddy Steve Cohen from Tennessee and I did get there early enough to get a front row stage right audience left for President Obama's first State of the Union, the famous You Lie by Joe Wilson State of the Union. And that was, we were very, I was happy about that. But I got there early to get there. So everybody is going to be there. It's kind of a big deal. It makes for all kinds of politics. And in this state of the President Joe Biden is talking to 62% of the American people who don't think he's done much. So I expect that this will be a, frankly, a, a, a good feeling speech about all that's been accomplished since Joe Biden saved the country from the train wreck of Donald Trump. And, but he's also facing a heavily divided government. Democrats have a very slim majority in the Senate. The Republican clown show, as we see, is making a mess out of the House of Representatives, so that when the sergeant at arms comes down the aisle and says, Mr. Speaker, President of the United States, it's going to be Kevin McCarthy, the clown, who has the gavel. So you're not going to see Nancy Pelosi anymore behind the president. Yeah, doing that. Uh, Our audio listeners were going to be mystified by that moment, but Paul just did the meme of Nancy Pelosi doing the strangest clap in the history of humanity. Uh, And I'll just add in, just from a staff perspective in Congress, it's a big day. My my former colleagues in 435 offices are also trying to leverage today because this is an opportunity, as I alluded to before, for people who are not household names, even in their own district. I mean, name ID for members of Congress in their own district is surprisingly low. Most people have only a vague idea of who their member of Congress is, and they get confused at like, oh, is that my state senator? Is that my senator? Is that my governor? So- It's an opportunity to wedge yourself into what are going to be guaranteed news stories in your district the next day. And what you're looking to do as a staffer, we get an advanced copy of the speech. Sometimes presidents go off track. Sometimes they go off script. Bill Clinton famously had the teleprompter go out on him. And because he has an amazing memory, delivered the State of the Union pretty much from memory for an hour. But- You get an advanced copy of the speech if you're a Democrat and you have a Democrat in the White House a few hours in advance. We would, even when George W. Bush was there, we'd still get an advanced copy a little bit in advance. And then what you're doing is your team is going through it and you're trying to pick something out, an angle that you can talk to reporters about immediately afterward and insert yourself into the story because they're going to want a reaction from the local member of Congress. And so you're looking for something to get on message about and talk about and highlight that kind of fits your brand. So we were always doing that right now, though there are 435 offices worth and Senate offices as well, 100 of those, they're kind of looking for how they're going to position themselves vis-a-vis the president's speech. So that's my little piece of background there. Alicia, let me turn to the question of What does success look like tonight for each party? What are the Republicans hoping to achieve? What will make for a good night for them? What are Democrats trying to achieve? 
I think both sides are going to achieve what they want. I mean, Joe Biden's going to get up there, the State of the Union. The reality is the State of the Union sucks for most of us, but he's going to say how great it is. He's going to list all the accomplishments he feels that exist. He's going to maybe touch on the realities of what some Americans are facing, but then talk about how he's made it better, even though I don't feel better. And he's going to take victory laps for gas prices coming down, even though when gas prices were up, it had nothing to do with him. I mean, it's going to be what it always is. There's very rarely ever a surprise in the State of the Union. He's going to accomplish what he needs to for Democrats. Republicans are going to pick it apart. And both sides are going to be right and happy with what they've achieved on that. You know, what I'll tell you what I'm looking for tonight. Something that we haven't had in quite a while by Democrats or Republicans when the president is of the other party. I'd like to see complete and thorough decorum. I don't want the Speaker of the House ripping up a document. I don't want people screaming out liar. I don't want people dressing to make a political point in opposition of Joe Biden or anybody mm -hmm. else. I want decorum by our government on what is an annual, very important address to each other and to the United States of America. Now, that being said, the one thing that I think is really funny about this is that Sarah Huckabee Sanders will be giving the Republican response. Now, this reminds me of when we spoke about this, I think last week when in New Hampshire, my state, for our annual Republican committee meeting, the first one after the failed November election, we invited Donald Trump to be the keynote speaker. And my response was, we didn't learn from November? Great, fantastic, brilliant. And I think choosing Sarah Huckabee Sanders, former press secretary to Trump, and a complete Trump sycophant as the Republican response tonight makes me go, we didn't learn from November? Great, brilliant. I think it's, so read the room, guys. Trump lost, Trumpians lost, they lost. No one likes him except in red districts where my dog could get elected if he had an R next to his name. And we don't learn. I don't know what to do. I'm just at a loss from a PR standpoint. I think you're right, Alicia, that it's very rare that a State of the Union moves the needle. It's an opportunity. It's a, it's, it's a message opportunity. It's a press opportunity. But um, they're rarely memorable. I think there have been a few instances and not always good. We remember the famous, what was it, 16 words that made it to George W. Bush's State of the Union that turned out to be wrong about Iraq and WMD and that were later exhaustively poured over. In retrospect, there was Bill Clinton's famous Save Social Security First when he was speaking about the, at the time, budget surplus. And that was very important framing of an issue, pivoting focus toward territory that was good for Democrats. And it really framed what to do and boxed Republicans in a way that was meaningful and moved policy. It's hard for me to bring to mind a lot of examples like that. But I do think that Paul raised before that there's a substantial portion of the country that doesn't recognize what has been accomplished. And despite Alicia's egg-laden sniping, which you're kind of throwing eggs, you're egging our- I haven't been able to afford house. souffle in a year, okay? Just yes, say that. I know. This is, you know what we need? We need an investigatory committee in the House of Representatives to look into the origin of the crossfire hurricane operation and also Alicia's omelets. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. I, but I, I mean, I do think that there is work to be done and there's a story to be told from the Democratic side. I mean, we just saw that January jobs numbers up half a million jobs. If anything, the economy remains 
incredibly robust, more robust than policymakers at the Fed would like it to be. Janet uh, Yellen is now saying we doubt that there's going to be a recession. Now, how can you have a recession with 500,000 new jobs being added? Inflation is coming down. So so despite Alicia's Eeyore approach to Democrats and the State of the Union, the State of the Union, from Piglet's point of view, is really much better than it was. The past two years have been pretty remarkable. And also remember, this State of the Union is assuming that Joe Biden is serious about running in 2024. This is really a, a campaign kickoff for Joe Biden. He gets to speak to the nation. He gets to be presidential. He gets to tout his accomplishments, which there's a lot there's a long list and it's not it's a usual frame for presidents in the state of the union not only to talk about what they're going to do but to talk about what they've done in order to assess the state of the union and alicia when all of the president and democrats accomplishments are touted tonight i think you even you will be hard pressed not to appreciate the progress that we've made as a nation, strengthening our foreign relations, strengthening our economy, dealing with the future in a responsible way, and showing that the policies, the economic policies of Democrats that favor a bottom-up, middle-out approach as opposed to trickle-down where only the rich people get richer is working for our economy. And you're, I think even you will be hard-pressed to deny the progress that we've made. But Uh-oh. I, I see Alicia's like, hold my beat. I expect, no. I do oh. not expect, I do not expect my words of kindness and reason to fall on live ears, but merely deaf ears. So right, go gonna, have I'm at me. I'm going to drink my coffee. Go, go Alicia. All this is be I'm great. going to say is to Eggs. use your reference, uh, to use your reference, Winnie the Pooh's honey jar is empty. And until it's full, the State of the Union will still be perceived as sucking. And that is what most Americans do. Look, most Americans are not going to watch the State of the Union. That's just a reality. So he can get up there and say, things are great. And his side's going to go, yay, things are great. And I'm going to sit here going, I can't afford eggs. And Winnie the Pooh doesn't have any honey. So until those two things are fixed, I don't care what anyone has to say. And I will be with most Americans in that perspective. Can we agree on two things? That Winnie the Pooh deserves his full honey jar? Winnie the Pooh sucks. Is there a <gasps> worse Is there a worse <gasps> character and series in children's What is wrong <gasps> with you? Oh, I, I would Robbins. like to, you know, what would make me happy bear hunting season. I would love to see Winnie the Pooh mounted like in that, like upright grizzly bear pose. Like, I mean, just what an awful set of books. Maybe so out of maybe curiosity, you support Don Jr. And Eric's pictures of their trophy hunting. And you would like to join them on one of those. Cause it's uh, basically if, what you just said. If they have hunted and touched Eeyore, then yes, I'm in favor of that. Oh I think, my. I think Something even Kenny Loggins, Christopher Robin is one of the best songs out there. Oh. And it's about the love of Winnie the Pooh. All yeah, Christopher Robin is terrible. He probably ended up in reform school. All these years mm -hmm. I've known you, I've never, ever heard you advocate such intense violence. I mean, this is really over, over the top. The beloved children's book, the absolute foundation bedrock of a child of a child's happiness 
and you want to see Christopher Robin dragging a dead Winnie the Pooh behind him, riddled with your bullets? Shame, shame, shame. upon you, Ooh. shame. <laughs> Ooh, you, that was, that was is, great. Tell your me heart more. is colder than my frozen pipes, Matt. I, what I really need is one of those assault weapon pins that they were handing out the Republicans and that George Santos actually wore in place of the American flag. He wore an hey, assault Marjorie weapon. Marjorie Taylor, Lauren Boebert is going to be packing for this state of the union in case she's attacked. This is you. not, this is, I'm not making I'm serious. this up. This is I'm real. Serious. She's going to be packing. Members of Congress took off their American flag pin and put on an assault weapon pin. I, uh, I think I need one of those because I would like to use one to go after. Wait, what was the um, message? Winnie the Pooh. I don't know this. What the me message? Oh, yeah. You. This is a for, for alert listeners and readers. We actually have a video of this. We have it captured on video on the Blue Amp channel. So go over there to YouTube and spend the 90 seconds or so that we put together this video about, yeah, it's true, members of Congress cosplaying as, I guess, hardened <laughs> militia members wearing assault weapon pins in the wake of horrific mass shootings in America, because I guess they're dead inside and they- As dead as someone who wants to kill Winnie the Pooh. Oh, mm -hmm. I'm right mm -hmm. about that. But mm -hmm. all right, here's what, let me just finish up. I don't expect Alicia's plea for decorum to be followed. I think that what we've seen with the Republicans and their inability to control themselves or act in any sane way is going to play out tonight. And frankly, my concern is I absolutely agree with Alicia that we should have decorum, but my fear that we won't really plays out on the world stage, because while Americans may not watch the State of the Union, the entire world pays very close attention to every word that is said and to the conduct of Americans in the House of Representatives during the State of the Union. And I have grave concerns about how the Republicans are going to act. I don't think they can, I'm hoping they can control all their infantile impulses, but I, I really fear they can. I actually do also have a serious thing to say about the State of the Union. I disagree with Alicia on one element. We disagree on a lot of things about the actual State of the Union, including economically. But I think you're actually gonna agree with me on this point. We were all worried going into the election about a meltdown. We were worried that the disaster of the election, the post-election period of 2020, was going to lead into further disaster. We were tracking the fact that Steve Bannon was asking for a wave of MAGA people to insert themselves into the election administration at the state level and muck with the counting of the vote. And we tracked thousands and thousands of such people who were getting involved. There were these Trump election denying people running for secretary of state and running for election administration positions and running for governor. And what did we see in the midterms. We saw that Trump candidates, MAGA candidates, faced a five-point penalty for being affiliated with the MAGA movement. We saw that they all lost. Every single one of them lost, with one exception, the Secretary of State in Indiana. Everyone else got absolutely killed. And I shouldn't say that in this day and age. I shouldn't make any violent metaphor when it comes to what happens to politicians because it's fraud. But this really was a good news story. We really did collectively stand up the middle of America. There's a point, Alicia, that you made on the show two weeks ago, kind of like center held in America. And we collectively stood up and we rejected, as you put it, Alicia, the crazy. We rejected the Trump strain 
in America. And we said, let's go for some sanity. Now, in some cases, it was a Republican brand of sanity that people found to their liking. And in some cases, it was Democratic. But for the most part, the American voters rewarded the non-crazy and rewarded the center. So a year ago, I would have said that the state of our union is in peril. It, it is, it's, at a, it's at the precipice. And I have to say that while there are many landmines ahead, many dangers ahead, not least of which is the still very much running for president Donald Trump, we're much better off than I thought we might be going into the midterms. And I'm feeling a lot better than I was a year ago. I agree with most everything you said. What I'm stuck on is you lay out how all these Trump candidates lost with the one exception in any swing district and that middle America spoke up, that common sense stood up, that America rejected crazy. We ejected MAGA. And yet the Republican Party's response to that rejection is Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Like it drives me batty. I don't understand what we're not seeing in the Republican Party, of which I keep saying, like, I'm a Republican because I believe in conservative principles, particularly fiscal principles, not because I'm a member of a club or because I worship any one politician or another. And they're so blinded. They don't see what just happened in November. Yeah, we got control of the House. Barely. It was supposed to be a red wave. We don't have the Senate and we don't learn. And it drives me insane to see that you're not listening to the American people, Republicans. You're not hearing us. I have a promise to make to all of our listeners and viewers that last little bit from Alicia is going to show up as a YouTube short because it was brilliant. It was fantastic. We are going to put that out. So go look for that on YouTube. All right. We are about at the end of our time. We could do a little bit of this week in Trump, or I could just summarize it as more legal shenanigans, more stuff. I mean, I sent you guys a whole bunch of items. There's always something to talk about in this week in Trump. Do you want to talk about this week in Trump or should we give ourselves a break? I could take a hiatus. Take yeah, a break. I think it's a break. It's time for a break from that guy. From All right. What's his, from he who shall not be named. Really. All right. It's that's enough. All right. Well, All right. Well, look, on that happy note, why don't we wrap up here? Looking forward to the State of the Union, looking forward to focusing on something that's at least standard political pageantry and theater and whatnot. And looking forward to sharing a nice omelet with Alicia. For Paul and Alicia, I'm Matt Robeson. We will see you next time. <laughs>